0: Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 43, and I'm recording it on Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, at 9.17 p.m. Eastern Time. What I want to start with today is the idea that although hopefully this series will speed things up in terms of preventing future pandemics, it seems a reasonable assessment that as we move from this distancing, as we open up our society and our economy again, we will reflect on what's been happening to us and have the determination that we do as much as we can to not have it happen again. And that's a very, very comforting thought. We will look back at the uh, estimated $8 trillion it will have spent, and the uh, many, many lives lost, many businesses lost, you know, just so much havoc that this pandemic has, has wreaked and, and say, no, we, 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 really, we really believe it's very important to, uh, to not allow this to happen again as much as we can. So because of that, once we open that conversation, Once we begin to collectively, as a country and also as a world, have a conversation of what is it that we need to do to prevent future pandemics, the answer will become exceedingly clear. The only way we can, as safely as possible and very effectively, perhaps 99% effectively prevent future pandemics is by ending the farming of animals. And naturally we're, we're very blessed, we're very fortunate to have this new industry that emerged in 2013 called cellular agriculture that will allow us to transition from animal farms to growing our our meat, fish, dairy, and eggs through a technology that provides, again, probably more than 99% certainty of avoiding future pandemics. And it also, we're very fortunate also that, that, we, um, that we, we, we can now end the cruelty and the, uh, the abuse and torture of over 70 billion land animals each year, for which it's a reasonable proposition to suppose that God is punishing us collectively through this pandemic. so so, But the the point is that once we have that conversation, we will realize that there there are actually only two ways of preventing future pandemics. The first, and I've done episodes on this, I've gone into the details of this, were we to develop a universal virus vaccine or a number of quote unquote universal, near universal vaccines, that would, pre- that would prevent pandemics. Um, but the problem with that is I've explained, according to the epidemiologists, the, the disease experts, is that that's exceedingly difficult and will probably take 20, 30 years to accomplish and the other problem with that solution is that it doesn't address the moral component of of, the the supposed or presumed moral component of this pandemic that this is happening to us because god is coming to the rescue of those animals god is saving those animals from us through this punishment trying to awaken our conscience to what we're doing so because vaccines are just not a um, a reasonable expectation for an answer to future pandemics at least for at least for 10 20 years cellular agriculture becomes the only answer we have. And we can though learn from from the vaccines that that have been developed and are being developed, um, the process that ordinarily takes 10, 15, 20 years, sometimes longer to develop a vaccine is being fast-tracked so that we can hopefully have a vaccine within a year of, of the initiation of the research. And so the the optimistic note about that is if we can do that with vaccines, we can certainly do that with cellular agriculture. Let me return to the basic um, thesis of, of, of this series that, yes, cellular agriculture will keep us safe from pandemics, but if the rate of investment that we see now, it may take 10 or 15 years for these products to be marketed in supermarkets and restaurants. And as I've explained in various episodes, these pandemics are increasing in frequency. And so to to wait, to wait those 10 or 15 years for um, for a business as usual investment scenario to play out and for the, the research challenges to be met and for the, this industry to be scaled up to where these products are available throughout the world, I think it's a bit risky. And fortunately, what we learned from this virus vaccine that we can fast track and create a virus in a year, perhaps a year and a half, is we can do the same with this cellular agriculture, I believe, I'm not a biologist or a biochemist, but I believe we can probably meet these challenges in two or three years instead of 10 or 15. And naturally the way we do that is by investing sufficient resources in this research. Uh, recruiting biochemists, biologists, um, food experts to to devote their time and effort and resources to solving these problems. Now, um, again, um, it's the, the bottom line. I guess with, with this vaccine effort initiative is that we we basically we put money into it. You know, basically that's what brings the experts. That's what allows the experts to do the work. So we simply do the same thing with with fast-tracking cellular agriculture. And I've been advocating for the investment starting in 2021. And actually, the bulk of this investment being being um, dispersed, distributed in 2021, is that if we invest $50 billion dollars in this research and development, that I think we can be reasonably sure to have these products in supermarkets all over the world within two or three years. And again, we've gone through um, to some people, $50 billion may seem politically untenable, just too, uh, too high a figure to consider. But as, as I've related in, in past episodes, according to the Congressional Budget Office, the United States alone, not including the other countries in the world, is estimated to spend about $8 trillion on this current pandemic. So this $50 billion represents about one half of 1% of what we're expected to lose. So it seems to me consummately reasonable to spend one half of one percent of what this pandemic is costing us to prevent another one from happening so um so again i started this particular episode by suggesting that this line of reasoning these conclusions that i've been expressing just now main not in the minds of people yet. This conversation is not yet happening. But if, if you look, you know, a few months uh, into the future, into next year, um, when when let's say we we move past the holidays, the holiday season, and, and people are distanced, that we we haven't you know been able to make sufficient progress. And again, if we um, let's say we're Eventually, whether it takes a year or two, it's difficult to say how long it's going to take us to get to a business, uh, a normal s- scenario, the, the way it was before this pandemic. Um, by that time, you know, people will will really want to do everything possible to um, to prevent future pandemics and and thus initiate this conversation. So. Um, but what I'm saying is that I very strongly believe that that it will happen, that we're not going to place our lives and the lives of our children, grandchildren at further risk by continuing to farm animals, especially in, in factory farms. Um, so that's, that's something to be very optimistic about. To see this series not as a catalyst for... for um, for initiating this progress, this, this, this um, way of being pandemic-free as a world, but for simply fast-tracking it, just for speeding it along. You know, it, it, it's, there, it's, it's a comfort to, to realize that because of self-interest, because we care about our welfare, we care about our businesses, we will come to this conclusion. And for example, often like with climate change, it's businesses who are preventing us from doing what we should be doing, what we can be doing to mitigate mitigate and adapt to climate change. In this uh, situation, in this scenario, many, many businesses, the restaurant industry, the travel industry have been Devastated. Many businesses have or will go out of business, go bankrupt. Uh, many people have become unemployed. Uh, the The number of unemployment uh, claims is over forty million now, and um, many people are, are afraid of, of losing their their homes. Uh, and so, naturally, I, I we, we have to create jobs. We have to. Not we cannot allow people to lose their homes because um, because that would just increase the the, um, the risk of um, continuing this pandemic. So my point is that the businesses understand that it's not in their best interest to vote to oppose this shift from factory farming to cellular agriculture. You know, in in other instances, in in terms of like shifting from fossil fuels to renewables, wind power, solar power, it has been in the interest of of major corporations, major industries to slow that down, to try to prevent that from happening. But this is a different scenario. So so that's another reason why I feel very optimistic that uh, within this next two years, as we're emerging from this pandemic and getting back to normal, it will dawn on us so powerfully that um, considering that the answer to this, the answer to preventing future pandemics is as simple as transitioning from farming animals to growing our meat, fish, dairy, eggs in labs It'll, it'll dawn on us that, um, that there's no reason to not do this. And yes, yeah, certainly we'll have to, um, people will lose their jobs in the livestock industry, um, but that, that has happened before and we'll have to create new jobs for, for people who worked in that industry, obviously, because otherwise we'd, we'd have to pay people to not work and neither businesses, nor society, nor the people themselves, the unemployed workers, want that option. So um, so we really have reason to be very optimistic. And yes, it, it may be too early for many of us to appreciate this. But from my mind doing this series, again, this is the 42nd, 43rd episode. It, it really comforts me to to have that expectation to understand that no this this new industry this you know the preventing of pandemics is not something that um, that may or may not happen it 's not something that 's dependent on this series, but rather that it, it will happen and it 's just a matter of time until we uh, become aware of um, of why it will happen. All right. um, In the interest of of continuing to to speed up this process, though, because if we can get this agreement on, let's say, the $50 billion early next year, March, April, perhaps by the latest, have Congress pass the legislation, have, hopefully, President Biden Sign the legislation then um, then we um, we have our, our, our best chance that, you know it, it's, it's like we, we wouldn't have to wait that long, um, but all right, what I want to do now is um, I want to help us move to, to this conversation more quickly. I'll, one of the reasons we don't talk about this is because this conversation about what, especially the moral component, what we're doing to these animals, is very difficult for us. It it it, it forces us to acknowledge that we are complicit; that we are the ones who are paying people to to house these these seventy billion farm animals and and, and terribly abusive conditions and and thereby creating the the breeding grounds for these pandemics, that we are doing this. And so in a certain sense, we are responsible for having created this pandemic by our our past actions. That's a difficult conversation. So in order to to help that happen more quickly, let's remind ourselves. we should, not, we should not blame ourselves for what's happening fundamentally. We should understand that it's happening because of us, and if we don't change our ways, we and our children and grandchildren will, will suffer the consequences. We need to maintain that understanding. But we can do that without blaming ourselves. And, and why do I say we, we shouldn't blame ourselves? Well, think about it. Here in the United States and throughout the world, we're, we're born into this world and, um, and we're, we're born into a, in a world where, where everybody's eating meat that is produced in these factory farms that are rife with cruelty and, and, and risk of pandemic. And, and everyone has been doing this for decades indeed for, for over a hundred years. And so as we're growing up, as, we, as we're children and, and learn about this initially and then grow into adulthood, and see this it's reasonable to um to suppose that perhaps we're not seeing everything perhaps you know that this um that it's not really wrong what we're doing to these animals i I think perhaps now you know with this pandemic i think it's clearer to see that but the point is that you know growing up we're, we're we're in a world where this evil is taking place and it's accepted and no one questions it so we don't as individuals. The same thing happened with slavery. Before the abolitionist movement, it just wasn't questioned or it was just like easily discounted. Just, uh, you know, slavery is allowed in the Bible or whatever. It just really wasn't faced um, from a moral perspective very, very squarely. So so I say this, I say this, we shouldn't blame ourselves, That it's not our fault fundamentally that we're behaving so immorally so that we can more easily look at what we're doing, so that we can more easily have this conversation. And, um, okay, I think the last train of thought that I'd like to follow, we've got about seven and a half minutes, is that we have a, a major opportunity coming up in this uh, uh, 2016-2020 presidential election. Um, God willing, I'm doing the 2016 election. We have the opportunity to demand of our politicians, to ask them a question, what are you intending to do to prevent us to protect us from future pandemics, I think it's a very fair question. I I don't think it's too early to ask that question. You know, and and there, then you'll you'll understand that, that our, our politicians as yet haven't really looked at this problem because we the people have not commanded them to. You know, it is a democracy. It, you know, it, to a, to a great extent to. It, to the extent that they don't fulfill our will as a people, we vote them out of office. And and many politicians recently um, in both parties have been voted out of office for not sufficiently uh, fulfilling the will of people. So again, to, to use this election cycle, these last two months of the election, to bring this issue of preventing future pandemics into the public spotlight, into our national elections, You know, ask all this, you know, the the House um, candidates, the Senate candidates, the presidential candidates, candidates across the board, you know, what do you intend to do to protect us from future pandemics? And once we initiate that conversation, we actually may not have to wait a year or two until we're moving out of this distancing, and people you know at that point understand that the next step is to to do everything we can to avoid future pandemics you know if we can inject this issue this this question this matter into this current election cycle yes it's very reasonable that we can begin to spend this 50 billion dollars in 2021 and and have these products in supermarkets in two or three years and and again, I've spoken about um, the, the way this can bring us together as a world. This pandemic, this, this risk of pandemics is kind of, you can equate it to, uh, for example, like our planet being invaded like, by aliens, by Martians who, who threaten us. And then we countries, you know, China, Russia, the United States, the other countries, we put aside our, our differences, unite to uh, battle this common foe. So so that's gonna be a major part of being safe from future pandemics. We have to ensure that not just we in the United States transition from farming animals to lab-grown meat, fish, dairy, cellular agriculture. We have to be equally sure that this is happening in every country of the world. And think of the level of cooperation that's required for that. And, and fortunately, we have the United Nations to uh, as the infrastructure, as the institution, to facilitate this this major project, this major initiative. But think of think of how this will unite as a, as a world. Um, I've made this point before. There are some countries, especially in Africa, who are too poor to uh, create these new factories to grow these new foods, and naturally, it will very much be in our best interest to ensure that they have the funds to do that. And this, goes, this is across the board in and, and, and every country. So, so uh, uh, an unintended benefit of this global cooperation should be that we make great inroads in finally eliminating extreme poverty, the kind of poverty that's not inevitable, that's, that's caused by our economics. You know that's caused by lack of sufficient nutrition, lack of clean water, lack of um, sufficient medicines. So, um, so, yeah. Let me end today's episode by by maintaining that sense of optimism that this this pandemic may seem like a curse, and it is extremely difficult for many of us and and, and we can't discount or ignore the harm that it's done but seeing in its totality considering the future of our planet it may be a powerful blessing you know in in that that it unites our world you know helps us to to finally end global poverty the most extreme forms of it and perhaps most uh, most importantly shows us shows us that we have the resolve and the will and the cooperation to finally tackle climate change. Uh, that's a major gift. That's a major gift for our world. So, so as we move into the holidays where we want to really um, be cheerful, we, we don't want to um, wallow in our fear and, and apprehension and, and sadness uh, through the holidays. Let's Let's have that be one of the reasons we have to, to be optimistic, to look forward to a much bright, brighter future, especially for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So, okay, um, got about a minute left. Again, um, watch this series every Monday through Friday on White Plains Community Media at 5 p.m. On Channel 76, if you get Optimum 45, you get Verizon, and uh, episodes are all on YouTube, and they're also as podcasts, you know, on iTunes, Spotify, and other platforms. In case you miss episodes, again, there's 40. After tonight, there'll be 43 up there, and um, you know, you can learn more. But but most importantly. You know, think about this, talk about this with your friends, get them to understand to the extent you, that you do, that there is no other way to prevent future pandemics than transitioning from the farming of animals to cellular agriculture. And that the sooner we do this, the more safe we will not just feel, but be um, going forward. All right, well, I I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, Thanks for watching, and I'll see you again next time.